heart that's broken and make it over again. But I know a man who can. I can take a soul that sins it and wash it white as snow. But I know a man who can. Some call him Savior, the Redeemer of all men. I call him Jesus, for he my dearest friend, if you think no one can help you and your life is out of hand, I know a man who can. I can't walk upon the water or calm the dark and raging sea, but I know a man who can. I can't cause blind eyes to open or make the lame to walk again. But I know a man who can. Some call him Savior, the Redeemer of all men. I For he's my dearest friend If you think no one can help you And your life is out of hand I know a man who
place. Some of my favorite songs we sang, and then uh, I love that. I know a man who can. Uh, if you have your Bible, open it up to Psalm 119. And while you are opening it up there, uh, we have a short little video clip we want to show. Is it is it working, my friend? All right. Let's get a clip. Can you hear me now? Good. 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 Unlimited, anytime, anywhere minutes. Prayer, the power to connect, powered by God. Can you hear me now? Good. Do y'all remember those commercials from Verizon several years ago where the guy, he looked a little bit like that guy that went around saying, can you hear me now on his cell phone? I think he's switched teams. He's working for another company now, but... Anyway, just kind of a silly little uh, reminder about that commercial, but, you know, uh, a a good illustration of how God always hears us. Uh, God always is listening. Um, I I thought that was just a silly point to make about the constant access we have to God through prayer. He is always listening. He is always hearing us. In Thessalonians chapter 5, the Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. You know why it says that? Because he is listening without ceasing. The Bible tells us also that he never sleeps, he never slumbers, he's always there. There's never a time that God is not listening, hearing you, Um, especially though when we offer up to him our prayers. We're going to be in Psalm 119 again, looking at verses 145 through 152. You know, I don't know about you, but it is a natural desire to want to be heard. It's a very natural human emotion to want to be heard. Most people want to be heard, some less than others, some more than others, right? Some people have always got something to say about something, some way more than others, perhaps we would say. We want our loved ones to hear us. We want our peers to hear us. Sometimes it's our opinion that we want heard. If social media has done anything, it has broadened the platform by which more people are sharing their opinions and are being hashed out on a daily uh, basis as people rant over things all the time. Every day I see internet social media wars being waged between quote-unquote friends on Facebook. No one is really listening, though. It's all a bunch of people trying to make sure their opinion is being heard. Sometimes, though, it's not our opinion that we want to have heard. Sometimes it's a cry for help. A cry for help can come in a variety of ways. Sometimes it's a loud cry, a wailing. The scripture we'll look at this morning, verses 145 through 152, there's a word he uses that actually can be translated shout. He is shouting for help. Sometimes, though, it's not audible at all. When I worked in the realm of youth ministry many years ago, Uh, I would often have an open eye and an open ear listening for those cries for help. They weren't always audible. Sometimes it was the way a child would act with other youth. Sometimes uh, it would be a a simple thing that they would say. And I'm not talking about a cry for attention. That's way different. That's an egotistical, self-centered issue. I'm talking about a cry for help. The focus of this morning's section of Psalm 119 is this crying out for help. 
The psalmist is praying and desperately wants to be heard. But not by other people. Remember, we've talked about the fact that Psalm 119, in its entirety, the entire chapter, that's a very long chapter, is a prayer. This is between the psalmist and God. We're blessed to be able to see this prayer between the psalmist and God. And he is desperately crying out, God, can you hear me? Are you listening? Is essentially what he says. Well, let's read our scripture, verse 145 through verse 152. I cry out with my whole heart, hear me, O Lord, I will keep your statutes. I cry out to you, save me, and I will keep your testimonies. I rise before the dawning of the morning and cry for help. I hope in your word. My eyes are awake through the night watches, that I may meditate on your word. Hear my voice according to your loving kindness. O Lord, revive me according to your justice. They draw near who follow after wickedness. They are far from your law. But you are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are truth. Concerning your testimonies, I have known of old that you have never, or that you have founded them forever. Would you pause a moment in prayer with me? Father, we thank you so much for your word. We just pray that you would speak to us through it this morning. Your power, your, your, your being is summed up in these words. These are not just words on a page, but Lord, I believe they are inspired by your Holy Spirit and they contain in them truth that is absolute and it will sustain us and is authoritative for our life. And Lord, by the power of your word, you can change our lives from the inside out. Lord, I also believe your Holy Spirit is present in this place, present in the lives of believers, present also just in our place. You are always there. The Bible tells us, Lord, that if we go to heaven, you're there. If we go below the depths of the earth, you are there. You are always there. We're so thankful for your presence. But Lord, we want your presence. We need your presence in our hearing of your word, in the preaching of this message, that you would get me out of the way and that, Lord, you would speak to us and change us from the inside out. Every single one of us, Lord, we need to walk out of this place differently than how we walked in. God, I believe in the power of your word. The reason we pray is because I am powerless, but you are powerful. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Most of us have had those moments where we probably wonder, right? God, are you hearing me? Do you, are you, do you hear what I'm saying, Lord? Sometimes we feel like what we pray doesn't go beyond the ceiling. I've had those moments. Perhaps the psalmist felt that way too. We do remember that the entirety of Psalm 119 is a prayer that has its ups and downs, doesn't it? He has these moments where he's greatly celebrating and rejoicing and, and adorating God, but then he also has these moments like this. Are you hearing me? God, are you there? Do you hear what I am saying? And what I see in this section of Psalm 119, the good thing about Psalm 119 is he doesn't stay in those moments long. He, he finds that God lifts him out of those low points. He comes to the conclusion that God is there. That God does hear him. But what I see here is, is a bit of a model of prayer. Now I know the Lord Jesus gave us a model of prayer in the New Testament, Matthew. But we also have here 
a little bit of a model as well for our prayer life. And if you feel that your prayer life is lacking, then let's take a look at the psalm as a model for our prayer lives. I want to point out three things he does that we could do that would probably invigorate our prayer life. The first thing is this, is that he is uttering a heart's cry. The prayers that he is uttering are coming from deep within him. In verse 145, the psalmist states, with my whole heart that he cries out. And literally, we could translate this again as a heart's cry. Three times in these eight verses, the psalmist actually says he is crying out. In verse 145, uh, he says, I cry out with my whole heart. In verse 146, he says it again, I cry out to you, speaking to God. Some of your versions translate 146, I call out, but the language there actually would be translated to shout out. And if we're talking about him crying and praying and wondering if God is listening, then I, I go out and I translate that like that. I, I cry out. He is crying out for God. Save me. Hear me. And then the third spot is verse 147. He says, I cry for help. Crying for help. He actually states, I rise before the dawning of the morning and I cry for help. It's heavy on his heart. The picture for me is that he is so burdened with something, perhaps he's going in and out of sleep. You ever have one of those nights where you're so burdened with something, you just you, you sleep for 10 minutes, then you wake back up and, and you don't know what to do because you're so heavy burdened with something. He's, he's feeling that way. He does the right thing. He doesn't go and open a bag of Cheetos and turn on TV and watch for the next three hours. He cries out to God, not to Facebook, not to his buddies, to God, help me. Do you know what a heart cry is? Do you know what it means to truly have a cry out of your heart? In preparing for this message, I did a simple little Google search, nothing real deep, obviously. A little Google search, one source stated that a heart's cry is a passionate and honest appeal. Another source stated that a heart's cry is something that comes from experiencing pain and anguish and living through it to tell about it. I think these are, these are okay statements. I'd go one step further and simply state it like this. My heart's cry is when I am honest and authentic in pleading from deep within myself for God's intervention, understanding He is my only hope. That's a heart's cry. It's authentic, it's real, it's honest. It comes from deep within, and it's because I realize, God, you are my only hope. I honestly believe that God wants to hear our honest pleas. I believe that. He doesn't want us, you know, speaking out of, of some sort of, I don't know, church culture background we might have of hoity-toity speech, uh, you know, offering up, we, we used to call these 25-cent words, maybe inflation that's a dollar words, I don't know. I believe he wants our honest plea. What's really on your heart? Tell him. That's, that's what's so beautiful about Scripture is you see God's people offering up these prayers that are one moment saying, God, when are you going to do something? And the next moment, God, okay, uh, you are uh, the God of the universe. You spoke everything into creation. Honest, authentic pleas. What is it that hurts you? What is it that burdens you? Cry out to the Lord on that. I also honestly believe that there is no request too small or unimportant in our mind that God does not want to hear from us. Nothing whatsoever. I, I really do believe that. 
He may not answer the way you want, but I do believe he wants to hear from you. First and foremost, I believe he wants us to pray. When Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray, do you know how he started out that lesson? He said, when you pray, not if you pray. The expectation of God was that you and I would pray. Remember, though, we're talking about a heart cry, not a half-hearted cry. A heart cry. Matthew Henry comments this about the heart cry. All the powers of his soul were not only engaged and employed, but exerted to the utmost. In his prayers, he was putting everything out there. All the powers, hear that statement. All the powers of his soul, of his being, of his person. A heart cry means you care about it. That you're concerned about it. You're passionate about it. You're emotional about it. You're personally invested in it. We might be tempted to think, well, do I really have to have this type of feeling about everything I pray? A deep, guttural type of emotional heart cry. Let me ask you. If you don't care enough to be engaged and exerted to the utmost about your own prayer requests, why are you uttering them? A heart's cry. You want your prayer life to be invigorated? Get real about your heart. Get real in your prayers. In this model of how we should pray, let us consider the importance of our own personal investment in our prayers in uttering a heart's cry. The second thing this scripture tells us is that the psalmist has been getting up and studying the word of God. And I believe he's been doing this because he sees the efficacy of praying scripture. In other words, he sees that praying scripture has changed his life. That praying scripture has invigorated his prayer life. So the second point is that. Let scripture guide you. You want to invigorate your prayer life? Pray scripture. Let God's word show you how to pray. In verse 147, he states, I rise before the dawning of the morning. I hope in your word. In verse 148, my eyes are awake that I may meditate on your word. We've discussed this word meditate before. Some people say, well, it just means to think on it real hard. It's a little bit more than that. I've talked about how a cow eats <laughs> and how that can be related to meditation. The time consumption it takes for a cow to digest grass. Meditate also is related to dwelling, spending time in something. In other words, this is a time consumption kind of thing. Spending time in God's word is exactly what he was doing. The point is clear. He is getting up early. He is spending time in God's word. And when he was restless in the night, he was getting up and spending time in God's word. It's more than a casual glance. He's sinking himself into it. He's dwelling on it. He is letting it saturate himself. Sometimes the problem isn't necessarily how we pray, but it's what we pray. Sometimes we are raised to think it's okay to say certain things to God. We might hear a preacher say something and he might pray something and we say, well, that sounds pretty good. I think I'll repeat it. But in, in, in actuality, it's unscriptural for us to say such a thing. We need to ensure that we are uttering things that are biblically, scripturally sound and not an offense to God. And the best way to do this is to pray 
Scripture. Allow Scripture to guide us. I'm reminded of a story about the famous theologian and author, Arthur uh, R.C. Sproul. He was a he was an author, a theologian. He was also a professor at seminary. And in one of his classes, he would start the day off by calling on a random student and asking them to lead out in prayer. That's pretty good, right? That's pretty good to start things out with prayer. And then after the student would pray and say amen, he'd sit down and R.C. Sproul would go into critiquing that prayer and telling him everything unbiblical he just uttered. Ouch, right? One particular student, pretty smart kid, got called on one day, and he knew what was coming, and so this is what he prayed. Would you all bow with me in prayer, he said. And then he said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. He did the Lord's Prayer, right? R.C. Sproul surely wouldn't critique that. It's a silly story, but the point is clear. If we want to be sure that we are praying scripturally sound, let's pray scripture. Allow God's word to by the way, I want to make sure you understand, I'm not going to critique your prayers. So just side note, right? That's not, that's not what that was about. But God's word is so important. I, 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 want to, I want you to understand that when we pray God's word, what that also does is it, it lines us up with what we see in Scripture. You know, in Scripture, they prayed Scripture. Uh, just a couple of examples. In Nehemiah chapter 9, there's this great prayer of repentance and confession. And in the midst of their prayer, they quote from Exodus chapter 34, 6. We'll look that up sometime. Also, it happens in the New Testament, too. Acts chapter 4, Peter and John, they've been released from the, uh, the, 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 Jewish, the Jewish rulers. And in response, the church prays this prayer of rejoicing and, and praising God. And in that prayer, they quote from Psalm chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Just two examples. There are so many more where prayers in the Bible are actually quoting other places in the Bible. Praying Scripture is important because Scripture is important. It is God's written word, His revelation to us of who He is. Listen to the last two verses of this Scripture we just read. Verse 151-152. The psalmist says, You are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are true. Concerning your testimonies, I have known of old that you have founded them forever. You see, the, the psalmist feels the nearness of God through the studying of God's word. Have you ever had those moments where, well, God is just so far away? Here's your prescription. Spend time in God's word. Pray God's word. Knowing his truths, knowing God's commands, the knowledge of them, that they are everlasting. They're, they're never coming to an end. Allowing God's word to guide our prayers will bring us nearer to God because we will be speaking his absolute truth and not just our emotions, our thoughts, our opinions. You know, when I'm praying my opinion, that's not in line with God's will. That's not in line with God's absolute truth. I want to be in line with him and not him in line with me. Woo, we're in trouble if that's our goal. Now understand, I'm not telling you to open your Bible this afternoon to Genesis chapter 1 and say, Dear Lord, in the beginning, the earth was void, and it was dark and formless, and God spoke. That's not what I'm saying. I'm telling you to allow it to lead you in your prayer, guide you in your prayers. And so instead of being silly like that, perhaps we would say something like this, God, I know your word tells me 
to go and make disciples of all nations, teaching what you have taught me. Lord, would you put someone in my path today that I can teach about who you are? That's allowing God's word to shape how you pray. Or perhaps you pray something like this. God, your word tells us to not show favoritism, that you do not show favoritism to anyone based on race, creed, ethnicity, color, gender. So, Lord, would you please help me not to hate anyone day, today based on those things. Not my will, Lord, but yours. Lord, I must decrease. You must increase. That's a prayer straight from God's word. Lord, thank you for sending your only begotten son that I would not perish. Would you please show me someone I can share your son with today? That's letting scripture guide your prayers. My will be done is letting God's word guide your prayers. Which leads me to the third model for prayer. How to invigorate our prayer life. The psalmist's heart cry is not only for salvation, but it is for obedience too. So pray for obedience. I think in the church we undersell obedience. We undersell the importance of obedience. You want to invigorate your prayer life? Make part of your heart cry be, Lord, I want to do your will. Lord, I want to be obedient. We undersell obedience because we forget what God says about obedience. He says, if you love me, you'll obey. Let me just sum it up. Essentially, that's what he says. If you love me, you will obey. The one who does my word is the one who loves me. The psalmist's heart cry was not just for God's salvation. It was so that he would be obedient. That he would do God's will. Look at verse 145. He says, I will keep your statutes. That's a desire to obey. Verse 146, he says, I will keep your testimonies. That's a desire to obey. That's a prayer request, Lord, to obey. Remember, the entirety of Psalm 119 is his prayer to God. Psalm 150, or verse 150, those who follow after wickedness are far from your law. That's a desire to not be like the wicked, but instead a desire to obey. The psalmist's desire is to obey, to be revived, he says in verse 149, according to God's justice. It's a reference to a judge who delivers just verdicts for those who obey or disobey the law. His desire is for God, the just judge, to deliver a verdict on his life. Justice, the quickening of his life. Do we desire God's will for our life? Do we desire to be obedient to his law, to his will? The opposite might just be a hindering our prayers. You understand what I'm saying? If you have no desire for obedience to God, that may just be what's hindering your prayers. Psalm 66, 18. I do not want to treasure sin in my heart that it will hinder my prayers. Another version says it like this. If I regard sin in my heart. You will not hear me. What are you treasuring up in your heart? What are you desiring up in your heart? What are you regarding in your heart? This is not a trivial suggestion. Our relationship with God should give us a deep desire to be obedient. And that should motivate us in our prayer life to pray, God, 
I want to do your will. God, I want to be obedient. I was talking to a dad this week. Shared a story about his son that was having some troubles in school with obedience. He just kept getting his colors changed. And he said, Brother Brown, we've tried everything. We've, we've whooped him. <laughs> we've done some different things. He said, and we pray every night. He said, you, you should hear his prayer. It's, this is what he says, Brother Brian. Dear God, help me to be good. Dear God, help me to do right. I don't want my color to change tomorrow. And I thought, well, that's really sweet, right? I mean, and I, I, I left that, and I thought, well, that's real sweet. Now, maybe I'll pray for this little boy, too. And as I was going down the road, I started thinking, that's not really a trivial prayer. That's my prayer request. God, help me to be good. God, help me to, to do right. God, help me to not disappoint. God, help me to treat others with love. God, help me to not lose my temper. God, help me to keep from saying words that hurt other people. Keep me from wanting to gossip about others. God, help me to not be judgmental. God, help me to not think about things I shouldn't be thinking about. God, help me to have the right attitude towards other people. Isn't that something you pray? That should be something we pray about. God, help me to be obedient. Here is why his obedience is so important. Our obedience to God is the confirmation that we have turned our lives over to him. Our obedience to God is confirmation that we have turned our lives over to him. And let me just, you know, that's a little bit harsh. Sometimes we need harsh, but let me soften that a little bit and say it like this. Our desire to be obedient to God is confirmation that we have turned our lives over to God. Because I don't know about you, I'm disobedient every day. I don't want it. Sometimes I'm praying like Paul, God, why do I do what I do not want to do and do not do what I want to do? The desire is there. And I believe the desire that is there, the prayer, Lord, I want to do good, I want to be good, is confirmation that you've turned your life over to God. The question is, is that a prayer request? Is that a heart's cry? Like the psalmist, Lord, I want to be obedient. Salvation should bring a desire for obedience. Obedience is birthed out of faith in God. Let me say it again. Obedience is birthed out of our faith in God. While disobedience is birthed out of our lack of trust in God to provide for our needs to do what we want when we want. Now, I hope you know, I'm not telling you to be obedient so you can earn favor with God. That's not what I'm saying at all. Because we cannot earn favor with God. His favor is completely unmerited. That means it's unearned. He loves us just the same. He, he extends to you the same amount of grace. You can't earn more. You can't decrease it. That's not what I'm saying. We are all loved and favored by God because of his great ability to love all people no matter what. Because he is a great God. I'm telling you, though, to live in the faith by which you have been saved. Let me ask you, what is your heart's cry this morning? What is it that you're praying from deep within yourself? What is it that motivates you every single day? 
Do you desire to be obedient, to live according to his will? Are you allowing God's word to shape your prayer life? I'm going to leave you with those questions this morning as we go into a time of response. We're going to have some music being played. We're going to sing a song. And however God may be talking to you about your relationship with him, and it's your relationship with him, no one can bring you to salvation but you and God. I can't save nobody. God can save anybody. During this time of invitation, I pray that you would have a very real conversation with our Lord and respond to him how he is leading you. I'll be down here at the front. My wife will be down here if you want to talk to a lady. Please come and see us. Or if you want to just pray, then pray where you're at or come up to these front benches. We'll get out of your way and you can, you can sprawl out before the Lord and, and pray to him. Let's go to him now. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for its truth, its absolute truth. We pray, Lord, for how it guides us.